0: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. How's it going? Christoph Trapp here, your host and author of Content Performance Culture, another live stream of the Business Storytelling Podcast brought to you by Switcher. Trap One gets you one month off. Give it a try. Uh, that's what I use to produce this show. And I'm telling you, it's a lot of work, but it's getting easier. The more you do, the better you get, right? That's... Uh, not an uncommon practice, but today, or, or uh, thing. So today we want to talk about subscription models. Uh, and, and the book that caught my eye is The Forever Transaction. That's written by Robbie Kelman-Baxter. And she's joining us on the show today to talk about um, how, how to go about doing, that, doing the subscription model. Robbie, how's it going? Good, thanks.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, you bet. And I heard you on some, I think it was maybe Nick Westergaard's show. Is that, does that sound right? That's why I heard you. And I thought, well, uh, I have to steal her for my show. Um, So tell us about the book. Tell us about subscriptions. And you, of course, you got your own podcast uh, on the topic as well. Why is this an important topic and how, uh, how should people think about it?
1: Yeah. So I've been interested in subscriptions for about 20 years, um, I uh I, I had Netflix as a client uh 20 years ago and fell in love with that business model because um if you're aligning your goals with the goals of a customer uh and you're building trust with them by solving their ongoing problems or helping them achieve their ongoing goals, you get recurring revenue, which is kind of the holy grail <laughs> for most businesses. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, I started focusing on it 20 years ago and continue to find new ways to strengthen business models and uh, new industries and and business models to apply subscription to.
0: And of course, we're all familiar with Netflix, Hulu, all those different channels, and I have more subscriptions than I probably ever want to admit. And and on the flip side, (laughs) you know, on the flip side, I've been in companies where they said, you don't even want to know how many software subscriptions we have signed up for that we don't even use. So that's, of course on the flip side as well i'm uh, i use some subscriptions as well i mean especially buffer canva um you know some of those and and very very happy with them but what companies can actually follow this model i mean who who can uh who can who can sell subscriptions
1: yeah well well i'm sure as 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 you have probably seen almost any what i what i always say is anybody who cares about the customer relationship probably is right for subscriptions. so Since most of this audience, um, since most of you guys are, are kind of in the marketing world, uh, if, if your business pays for marketing, if they value marketing subscription probably has its place because the whole idea of subscription is optimizing an ongoing offering around an important customer segment. Um, and so if you are helping your customer achieve an ongoing goal, you can probably enjoy the power of subscriptions.
0: Yeah, and so of course, you guys, um, if you're listening on the podcast channels, which uh, publishes a little bit later, uh, but you can get Robbie's book at ctrap.online forward slash subscriptions. That sends you right over there to Amazon. And if you're watching on LinkedIn or any of the other channels, you can, uh, you'll can you see that link at the bottom there. So of course, subscriptions, I mean, what's interesting about it, yes, we all want it, right? We all want the uh, recurring monthly revenue, um but 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 what do we have to consider like i mean is it one of these you get somebody in the door now they signed up for the subscription and now you don't have to uh, i mean you still have to provide a service right because at some point they they might not want to stick with you if the service blows
1: <laughs> yeah and and you know you when you opened and you were talking about you know i wouldn't want to tell you how many subscriptions i have um and my by the way my clients don't want to tell me how many b2b subscriptions they have because it's crazy Um, We're dealing with subscription fatigue right now. Um, And the reason is there's so many subscriptions and so many of them are bad actors. Um, They're bad actors because they don't have product market fit. Uh, They're bad actors because they give you more than you can consume. Uh, They're bad actors because they hide the cancel button and You know, when I used, you know, 15 years ago, when I'd tell somebody that I was focused on subscriptions, they'd say, oh, like newspapers or, (laughs) oh, like my gym, I guess I understand. Now what they say is, let me tell you my horror story. I tried to cancel this subscription or turns out I was subscribing to Canva for, you know, a year and a half after the last time I used it and I forgot I had it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're building a subscription in order to earn to earn the right to charge your customer subscription, you have to continue to evolve your offering to solve their problem. So you have a huge obligation on your side if you want to justify that subscription relationship.
0: I mean, we have fatigues for everything today. Subscription fatigue, Zoom fatigue, you name it, right? There is fatigue happening for sure. Yeah. Um, so Subscriptions, though, when uh, so companies do that, right? I mean, they hide the cancel button. I see it all the time. I was just looking at something. Actually, I was looking at something earlier and I was like, how do you even close this? And then I was looking at uh, uh, <laughs> something in, in, in Google and the first button I saw was close the account. I was like, well, that is like really prominent. I have no intention of closing the account. Uh, so that was kind of weird. Um, and then, of course, but, but and then, then I've seen some company, I don't know who posted it on LinkedIn. But they actually said they send an email out to customers who haven't used the service and said, uh, we noticed you haven't used the service. Anything we can do or if you're not interested, it's OK to quit. I mean, some people would yeah. say that's crazy to send that kind of messaging.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, I would love to do a poll of the audience and see, see what people think. Um, I've done it a couple times on LinkedIn just because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. But there is this whole theory of kind of let sleeping dogs lie like we have subscribers who haven't used our product in 20 years. We have people in our gym that don't even come in. They don't and you know, in the short term that does generate incremental revenue. In the long term, it really hurts your brand because that's how your customers talk about you. Either, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I was subscribing for years and I never got any value from them." So, nobody's going to subscribe for that. Or, "You know, I tried to cancel and they said I had to cancel on a Tuesday in person." And I had to bring my firstborn <laughs> child in a blood sample. Yep. Um, you know, and then when that happens, you're never going to join again and you're never going to, you're going to spread bad information and you're never going to rejoin. And so what I'm actually seeing in the world of subscription, not only aren't they hiding the cancel button, but they're making it really easy for you to cancel or even pause your subscription and keep your data and your setup so that if you decide to join again, you don't lose your history. Um, So that's really, I think, where the subscription world is going. Um, If you're a marketer, you know, it's really about building that ongoing relationship, not just before the moment of transaction, but after the moment of transaction. That's where the marketing work really starts to dig in because it's not enough to just attract them. You have to actually keep them for the long term.
0: You know, it's, it's, it's this is like the whole model of um, everybody works so hard to bring in a new client. And then the second they sign them up, um, they forget about them. Right. Because yeah. it's like there was a study a while back saying, what's the happiest day for people in jobs? And it's the day they're hired because, you know, it's it's hard work to get hired. And then you're celebrating and then really nothing else will ever top that again. Same thing. Hopefully you know, you can top things and, but it comes down to, um, solving problems, right? I mean, what I'm thinking, and we mentioned Canva now a couple of times, um, who else do I have a subscription with? It's a great product, right? I mean, Microsoft,
1: um, uh, mm -hmm. you might have a subscription with Microsoft. You might have a subscription with SurveyMonkey. You might have a subscription with, uh, QuickBooks, Intuit. You might have a subscription with Zoom, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, just on the B2B side, uh, you could probably easily, as a solopreneur or small business owner, have 10, 15, 20 subscriptions just for work.
0: That might still be low. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, Canva, I mean, it's solving my problem to turn some really quick in graphics, right, and to even find yeah. stock art images because it's all built in. Uh, and then buffers, same thing. I don't have to post things to social uh, life, you know. They just kind of go in the queue and uh, and you can push them to different things. Uh, So how do we, what's different when it comes to marketing subscription-based services? And and where does it, uh, let's start there. And then my next follow-up question might be, how do you decide what a product is that you should sell that's subscription-based? They're slightly different, but let's start with the one. How do you uh, market a subscription-based product?
1: Yeah. So the way I think about it, in a transactional business, as you point out, the happiest day for a marketer is when you get a new customer. It's all about acquisition. In the membership economy, that is the starting line for the marketing team because Mm -hmm. it's after that moment of transaction that you have to show them the value of everything that they're paying for so that they use it on an ongoing basis so that they don't cancel. So a big mistake I see in many organizations is that that marketing acquisition team is completely separate from the retention, engagement, expansion, um, and product people. Um, all of them have to work together because you want that customer to come in, engage, and then decide to stay and make it a habit. Um, so, you know, I, I'm always worried when companies have acquisition as their holy grail um, and they don't spend enough time focused on engagement metrics um which features are they using how often are they using them when was the last time they used them uh are they expanding and deepening the relationship
0: you know it 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 is a little bit i know we focus on acquisition and i hear that all the time how many new leads how many new anything and um back you know there was some Brouhaha in, in the college football world, and I, you know, I did play uh, at Iowa many, many years ago now. But oh, wow, um, you know, what happens is some people were complaining that um, the coaches were so much nicer when they were recruiting you, right? And I and I and I liken that to it's like saying, well, you know, do I expect my wife to treat me? For the rest of my life, like she tweeted me on my first day on our first date, very unlikely, or even the opposite, right? Um,
1: well, well, wait. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. So, so in my book, um, uh-huh. my uh, what do you call it? My um, uh, you know the dedication is to Bob, my own forever transaction, my husband, uh-huh. and. The reason is I, I love that you brought this up, um, I think both with the coach, which a lot of people call that that period as a you know the recruiting period is almost like a courtship, the yep. metaphor of a marriage right um, and in business you know you're you're kind of seducing or dating or courting that prospective customer, and then the transaction is like the wedding or the fir- you know or the job offer or the recruiting mm-hmm. package, and it's really important that you don't focus too much on that. It's all about what happens after that. I mean, it would be very sad if somebody said, my happiest day was my wedding day, right? You want them to say, my happiest day was my 25th wedding anniversary with family and friends and my life partner and looking at where we've been and where we're going and how much more rich my life is because of it. Same thing with your product, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want your customer to say, you know, I was so excited when I bought that software cause I envisioned that I was going to create these great assets and I was going to be able to keep track of all of the great content I was creating and be able to serve it to the right people at the right time. And then it was totally too hard to use. And I never used any of the features I ended up just basically using it as a, you know, glorified storage system, right? <laughs> you don't want that. You want them to say, I bought it for storage, but then I realized I could also use it for these other five things. Um, and, the value grew over time. I realized there were all these new features and they kept making it easier and easier for me to reach my audience. That's the difference between a transactional product and a forever transaction.
0: And the the problem with a transactional product, of course, is, right, uh, I mean, that's a race to the bottom, you know, Mm -hmm. because certainly the price, you're always just evaluating the price. Now, I'm not telling the folks at Canva or the folks at Buffer to to just raise the prices until eternity, but there's a little wiggle room, right? Because I like them now. I've seen the value and uh, we've moved past that wedding date.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. So there's, there's a couple of things that happen after the wedding date and we can, we can stay on Buffer and and Canva. Those are two great, great businesses. So I would say, you know, the forever promise of Canva is to help you communicate visually in a powerful and efficient way. Right. Um, so maybe in the beginning that was, you could create an image. Now it's, you can create more sophisticated images. Now it's, you have access to the world's you know, stock art, all of these great pieces of you know, other people's artwork. Then it's maybe about educational programming to help you design more sophisticated things even if you're not a graphic artist. Um, keep layering in more value. And then you get to the point where you're like, I don't even know what I'm paying them because it's such a good product. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Buffer, right? If they're helping you to magnify your social presence on multiple social media platforms, right, today that might be they're allowing you to pre-schedule. But maybe tomorrow they're helping you optimize the content for each of those sites or they're helping you identify people that you want to be connected with or, you know, but it's about finding new benefits. Mm -hmm. And adding them and in terms of sorry, in terms of the pricing, because you you mentioned that uh, a lot of businesses like in the news world right now, what happens is new customers get a great deal and old loyal subscribers are charged more because they trust us. They don't look at pricing competition. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's wrong. It's good in the short term. But in the long term, what you're teaching your subscribers is. Threaten to cancel and switch a lot if you want the best prices, because if you're loyal, we're going to take advantage of you.
0: You know, what's interesting about that comment? First of all, I will when my wife comes home today, I will say glad to see you. My forever transaction. And (laughs) we'll see. She'll probably tell me, what are you smoking? Um, I know. (laughs) So but (laughs) we'll see how that goes. So it's interesting about that comment, absolutely. And, and, and a few years ago, you know, I, I had DirecTV and we canceled it because it just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And then we got it again more recently here. So I don't know what their model is now. I mean, they've been sold at least once since that happened. Um, but my gym is, you know, they're not perfect. I mean, I get it, but I pay so little, but I didn't even know how little I paid, int- but I've been there for maybe 10 years. And I don't think my my rate has ever gone up. And it's maybe like it's I don't know, like a buck a day, maybe, you know. I mean I don't go every day, but it's it's pretty cheap. And I looked online the other day, now they have their prices online and my rate is not even listed on there, like for anything. And I have like the top level access and I got a cheaper yeah. rate than the lower one. So I think what they're doing is they're doing exactly what you said people shouldn't uh well you said people should do, I guess. Should, do. Is, should do. you know should do, right? Because um, they, they're not raising my prices, but when somebody new comes in, they're paying the top dollar, right? As opposed right. to me, who's used to it, to not to do have to do it.
1: Right. And what what that tells people is, you know, and they might have, you know, I don't know the company, and I don't know what mm-hmm. their what their strategy is, but assuming that they're smart and they're thoughtful about this, what they're saying is, we don't want Christoph to cancel, um, and we want him to stay, and we want him to tell his friends that he's getting an incredible rate because he's been there a long time. So that he doesn't cancel and his friends now were maybe paying, you're paying 30 bucks a month, they're paying 50, they're like, I don't wanna cancel because if I cancel and come back, I'm probably gonna end up with a worse deal because this
0: gym rewards loyalty. So in other words, and I even think about this, and I'm the marketing guy, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, but, but in other words, I might now run around since I realized this and say, if you stay there for a long time and don't switch all the time, you might get a better deal, you know, and um, that is actually, that's a fantastic marketing message. Um, Of course, they probably should promote that somehow differently than just hoping I figure it out, which I just did um, after 10 years.
1: Because what might have happened? I mean, here's the, the other side of it is if you raise the price, you might take your blinders off and say, wow, I'm paying 87, like what you did with DirecTV. Wow, I'm paying 87 or $152 a month. Yeah. That seems like a lot. I wonder what else is out there. And the minute you go back into consumer mode, there's a risk that you're gonna cancel, right? I, you go out and look there, mm-hmm. you're like, DirecTV, what else is there? Oh, look at that, there's Hulu, it's five bucks a month. I'm gonna do that.
0: That's, that's exactly what happened with DirecTV. I was like, I'm paying how much? Yes, I wanna watch all the football games. Yes, I wanna watch all these other games, but holy cow, uh, that's you know expensive. Then of course, this year things have changed so much. First I was looking, I'm like, well, it's cheaper to just get DirecTV than flying to a game, and then, of course, now no game has fans anyways. So, um, but they also gave me a new deal. So we'll see what happens. Where I was going with the message earlier, though, is, so obviously, people work hard to get a job, companies work hard to bring new people in the door, and then once they're there, how how do we change the mindset that, hey, you still have to focus on them, you still have to work on the relationship, um, hopefully it's not just a one-time deal. How do you, uh, other than just putting them into a terrible contract and hiding the cancel button, um, how, how do you kind of move that forward?
1: So on the, are you talking about how do you keep your customer loyal to you?
0: Right, I mean, that could be through the product, right? And of course marketing, um, how, how do you do that? How do you, uh, how do you still yeah. work on the relationship?
1: Yeah, exactly like you said. So the first thing is when you're onboarding a new subscriber, if, okay, if I if I buy a Lamborghini uh, car and I drive it off the short the showroom floor, let's say I buy, I go into the Lamborghini dealership and I say, "Hey, I have four children, two of them are in diapers. Uh, I'm looking for a family car. This Lamborghini seems awesome, right? If I buy that car and I roll it off the showroom floor, that's my problem that I can't fit two two car seats and two small children into my back seat, right? It's my car, I've paid them for it. In contrast, if I'm subscribing to it, I drive it off the showroom floor, I say, oh my God, I can't even fit a single car seat in here. I cancel my subscription after one month. So it's really important that you attract not just people who are willing to sign up with you, but people who are gonna get value in an ongoing way. Once you have that subscriber, um, it becomes important to surface the features that will make your product part of their regular habits. So if I come to your streaming content site because I want to watch Hamilton, like Disney Mm Plus, right? It's the job of Disney after during that first month to show me what else I can get for what I'm paying for. Because if I only watch Hamilton, I'm probably going to cancel after the month. But if they get me to watch some princess movies and maybe some of their National Geographic specials and maybe some of their sports content... You know, maybe multiple people in my family are enjoying the subscription and we're much less likely to cancel. So it's really important that you onboard new subscribers to make your product a habit. Make sure that they're the right people and then make it a habit. That's probably the the most important thing you can do to build engagement. And then you want to just track retention. So how many people leave after month one, month two, month three, so that you are only attracting the kind of people who are going to stay a long time. And then you're optimizing the chances of them staying a long time.
0: Of course, making things a habit nowadays is, I mean, it's easier than ever, right? I mean, I use my fitness pal and I've, I've tracked my weight for a long, long time. Uh, I don't, I think it's owned by Under Armour, which I certainly buy things from, Um, but I don't pay for the app because I don't need to know. I don't really care how many carbs or whatever exactly um, I'm eating. But if I don't log in in a day or every other day or something, it says, I get a notification on my phone, you know, make sure you log in today um, to keep the street going. I mean, so, or, or you can send me an email, right? I mean, I read the Washington Post, New York Times, and um, while I don't get that many emails from them, they certainly send me emails, right? Or I get the Twitter notifications when there's a new thing. I guess that's kind of self inflicted, making it a habit. But again, if you were to say to me, Christoph, we got to cut some budget here, cut the New York Times. I'm like, no, like, how am I gonna get my news? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: It's it's part of your habits. It's part of how you do things. And that's the marketer's job, is not just to get them to sign up, but it's to get them to make it their habit.
0: So in, in addition to that, I mean, not to keep harping on Buffer and Canva, but Buffer sends me an email when my queue is empty, right? Which doesn't happen all that often. But when there's no post scheduled, it says, uh-oh, your queue is uh, empty or something like that. Um, Canva sends me tips. I don't know that they sent me anything else. But they could send me something like, um, hey, we've noticed the last five days you, po- you 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 created something. And today, we missed you today, you know. Um, yeah. But But what other strategies can companies use?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, you can build it right into the product. So let's say that you signed up to Canva because you had to make a quick banner for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. They want to, they probably know at this point that their best subscribers use their system for more than just LinkedIn banners. So they might say something like, Hey, do you have a news? You know, welcome. We're glad you use the LinkedIn banner. Do you know we can also help you make your newsletters look really professional? We can help you with your Twitter, tweet, images. Um, so onboarding, when somebody's just signing up, you want them to use more than just the one product. So if I sign up for Hamilton, they want to make sure that I see that I can also, you know, watch Disney princess movies and mm-hmm. national geographic titles, which I might not have realized. Um, so in the onboarding process, they might ask me to make a queue, um, so that I know they might ask you with Canva to schedule what else you're going to be doing. Um, another thing that you would do is certainly emails, um, and in app reminders, um, Another thing that you would do is track the difference in behavior between your best customers and your not best customers so that when you're spending money on acquisition, you're focused on the people who are going to be most likely to stay so that you don't waste your time attracting somebody who's going to only stay for a month or two. That's a big problem with a lot of subscriptions is they're like people come in for the one thing they have to do and then they leave. We want the people that are going to stay for a long time and make us a habit.
0: You, so the other thing too that came to my mind before I have a question for you about pricing uh, that Canva. I'm not sure Canva actually did this, but so when my book came out, I just threw up that lower third here, guys. Content performance online. I created my own cover, um, and Canva actually um, you can ref, you can resize virtually every anything any size of your image for any other size. So if I create a cover. 11 by 17, which is my, the size of my book. It's supposed to be a textbook. And I can resize that to, to a LinkedIn image or an Instagram post. And I'm like, that's like, when I first found that out, I was like, mind blown, unbelievable how easy yeah. this is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, most of us underutilize many, many products that we have, right? That yes. we pay for, right? You buy this, you know, you buy some clock radio and you use it as an alarm clock and you don't even realize that you can like, create your own voice reminders or attach it to your space eater and have your heater go on when you wake up or all kinds of things. Most of us don't use all the features we pay for. If we own that product outright, that's our problem. But if we are subscribing, then that increases the likelihood that we're going to cancel because we're paying, we're paying for this much and we're using this much. And if that happens, you're, you're likely to feel like I'm not getting the value I'm paying for
0: But sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know, right? What you're missing.
1: Right. Well, that's the job. But what I'm saying is in a subscription world, that becomes the job of the marketing team. It's not enough to say, I got them to buy it. You have to get them to use all the features. So one of the important onboarding metrics is breadth and depth of usage. So when they use your product, are they just using one feature or are they using many features? If I'm subscribing to streaming content, and I watching it on my phone? Or have I figured out how to attach it to my smart TV and I'm Chromecasting it or I'm using Apple TV or what have you? Because if I'm not using those features, I'm probably going to think it's not a very good product because it's not fun to watch a movie like this, right?
0: Dep- right. Depends what you're doing. I watch stuff on my, I saw this thing the other day on Instagram. Somebody bought an 80 inch TV and the wife was showing him, saying, I'm glad we bought an 80 inch TV and was, um, panning to him and he was on his phone watching the game and somebody was watching Frozen or something on, on the big screen. Um, but it all depends. Yeah. But so when when you talk about the, the silos in marketing earlier, though, how do we get marketers to think about that? First of all, that's part of their job. Why are there still so many silos? And then how do you fit it all in? I mean, could marketing be any more complicated? I mean, seriously. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, so it's a really good question. And what I see is there are a lot of organizations that of all sizes that have historically been episodic or transactional. And so they are just structured that way. They're like, we want to optimize around acquisition and transaction size, right? Those are the goals. Um, And historically it's been really hard to track lifetime customer value. It It just was a hard thing technically to track, So, nobody was compensated on it. I'll tell you what, if you compensate your marketing team on lifetime customer value, they will look at which metric, you know, where to focus differently than if you compensate them on acquisition. Um, And so, you know, if you're moving to a subscription model, you want to change your metrics. You want to track lifetime customer value, you want to track retention, you want to track which features are being used. Um, You want to understand who your most valuable customers are so that you can make more of them. And it really changes the nature, not just of marketing, but of your support team, your sales team, the way you design your product, right? If you design your product for how many minutes is someone spending with your product, you're going to design it differently than if you're designing it to have a headline feature that will get people to buy it.
0: So before everybody gets super excited about let's restructure how we pay people here. Um, we you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Robert. We had uh, Casey Stanton is coming on a show here down the road talking about uh, cost per acquisition. And then Lori yep. Cohen actually talked about um, how important how branding is still important. So So yep. one of the key points that both of them made in, in, in different ways is, yes, it's fine to chart to, to in, in, um, enable people or entice them and pay them for performance. But here's the reality of things. when you first get started, it all takes time. And I think Casey called that a dead period or a ramp-up period or something. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, when yeah. you have no customers, I mean, it takes a while before you can even do that, right? I mean, you have to ramp up, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's some different things. So first of all, I totally agree with them. There is It, it is a longer-term process, and it's harder to track. Um, what I suggest that you do is, number one... Um, you want to track by cohort. So for each individual, how long are they staying? And first of all, unit economics, are they profitable? Like what's the acquisition cost versus the lifetime value of that customer? If you know the lifetime value of the customer, you can actually invest a lot more in acquisition. If I know that you're going to be worth $300 because you're going to stay with my $10 a month subscription for 30 months, I'm, I could maybe spend $200 to acquire you because I'm still going to clear 100 bucks right? If I have no idea how long you're going to stay, I'm going to say, well, it's only $10 a month. So I'm only going to be willing to, you know, spend $5 to to acquire you. So that's important. And then also we just know from almost every subscription business, the majority of people cancel in the first month, in the first period. So if you track for three months and, and um, retention has flattened out, it's probably going to stay constant for an extended period of time. So it's really, really important to track those first couple of periods and see how much drop off is. That's the biggest waste. That's that's the most important one. That's why I talk about onboarding. It's those first two months that you really, really want to optimize for.
0: I I mean, yeah, it takes time and uh, it is a little bit of a numbers game, right? Because uh, people still drop off even uh, even if they start. How about pricing? Um, So I go back and forth on whether or not I like monthly or whether or not I just pay for the year. Um, sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't know, you save a couple bucks here and there uh, if you go for the year. And I'm like, well, I don't, whatever, I don't really care. But um, so I, what's better? Like how, how do we want people to pay monthly or annually? Or, or, or what What are the trends?
1: Are you, ta- so if, if you're talking about from, The company perspective, should I charge monthly or should I charge annually? Or are you talking about from the customer perspective, should I pay monthly or should I pay annually?
0: I knew that question was coming. That was actually Mm -hmm. in my head as I said that out loud. I mean, for a customer, it certainly is, um, as a company, it certainly is more advantageous to have somebody locked in for a year, right? I would think. But what's the trend? Are people doing that by year or are people more willing to pay by month or or how, how are things looking?
1: Yeah, so, so it's kind of all over the place, um, mm-hmm. and some of that is for good reason, and some of that is, I think, for bad reasons. So Netflix, who has long been kind of held up as the you know, poster child for great subscription, you'll notice they don't even have annual as an option, huh. and they never have, and they never will, or you know at least I don't think they will, because they want you to be able to cancel at any time because they only want subscribers who are getting value. That's very important to their ethos, to their model. They also recently announced that if you've been paying for a year or more without using the product, without logging in, they will cancel your subscription for you. They don't want your money if you're not using the product. In contrast, a lot of organizations either force you to go annual or give you a tremendous incentive to commit. And that can be okay, the incentive to commit, but, what I would encourage you to do before you go to annual is think to yourself, "Is this in the customer's best interest?" And if so, which customers? And is it not in somebody's best interest? So, for example, um, if I'm visiting if I'm visiting uh, the Nordics, if I'm visiting Scandinavia for a month, I might want a subscription to their local paper for four weeks because then, when I go home, I don't care as much about what's going on locally. Um, On the other hand, if I live in Scandinavia, you know, and I want to understand the world around me, it's pretty reasonable to think that I might subscribe annually because I'm not planning to cancel once I decide this is how I'm going to get my news. So it's important to just know if it's in the interest of the, and of course, if you're a Scandinavian newspaper, you probably aren't that interested in being appealing to somebody who's visiting for a month. You really want to optimize for people who live there. So that's when it kind of makes sense to say, well, we only have annual because we only really want subscribers who are committed to us.
0: So the key message here, in my opinion, Robbie, is that you have to have the best interest of your audience in mind. So if you're in an executive meeting and everybody says, hey, how, how do we make a quick buck? How do we do this? How do we... Probably don't have the best interest of your audience in mind. So that's just a, my color commentary there. Robbie's book, you can check it out, ctrap.online forward slash subscriptions. Uh, you have your own podcast what's the name of that one again
1: it's called um the subscription stories true tales from the trenches
0: fantastic true tales from the trenches and if you listen to the show with sam horn she talked about that concept how you have to use words like that true tales from the trenches listen to that show so <laughs> fantastic fantastic example here and i told her i said i can't even I can't rhyme the way you do, but um, anyway, that's a that's a story for a different day. Um, Robbie, thanks for joining us. I uh, really appreciate you sharing your knowledge when it comes to subscriptions.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on your show, Christoph. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. And if you are listening on the podcast channels, make sure... Um, You um, follow me on LinkedIn, ctrap.online forward slash LinkedIn or Twitter uh, so you get notifications for future live streams. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.